0: This is Baja SAE Shop Talk, the official podcast of the Baja SAE series. Hey guys, welcome to Shop Talk, the Baja SAE podcast. Mike Swart here, podcast and video producer for the SAE CDS series. Today we're talking about tech inspection. We're past the Tennessee Tech event, and of course we learned a few things. Uh, With us today we got Joe Batwinas. Hello. You are representing the tech team at all?
1: Yeah, I am. I am Joe Batwinis, National Tech Inspector and General Podcast Representative, therefore.
0: (laughs) Also on the line with us is Sam Burrell, the University Programs Manager. Hey. How you doing, guys? Glad you're with us. Glad we could get connected here, uh, a little East Coast, West Coast connection here with uh, Joe out West. So, yeah, we are past the first event, and, of course, you do have the bulletin out for everybody to read and what you learned there over on the newsfeed and on the uh, Baja SAE app, if you guys have, of course, downloaded that on your iPhone or Android devices. Uh, so, Joe, what did we learn in Tennessee?
1: Uh, so, we learned a bunch. The The first thing is be be ready for tech. So, the most important thing you can do for tech is make sure you've built your car to the latest revision to the rule book, uh, which is revision C, which was released uh, uh, fairly recently. So make sure you're, you've gotten rev C and you're familiar with what changed there. Uh, A lot of that was summarized in tech bulletin one. And then there has been also uh, post Tennessee. uh, There was a tech bulletin Two released uh, as well as an update to the, tech sheets. Uh, so the tech sheets themselves are now on revision B. So I'll just, I'll just start by saying, make sure that you have all of those things downloaded. You've reviewed all of them, uh, before you even come to tech, uh, in California, make sure that you've got tech sheets revision B printed out and filled out. Um, when you come to tech at California, if you don't have revision B, you're going to be turned away. So make sure you have the right, Uh, revision of the tech sheets Uh, that's that's number one Um, number two is that make sure you've actually gone through those tech sheets um, and they they have a a column there for you to initial uh, that you have gone through your car and you are initialing uh, under team member that your car meets the requirements of that line of the tech sheet Um, you know when we go through your car at at tech we're looking at that same tech sheet that you are uh when we uh either sign off your car or tell you to go back and fix something so it's generally pretty straightforward it it references the rule that we're looking at so if you can check your car and say yep 100% anybody that looks at this is going to say that it passes then great uh you sign that off if you know you're going through your car and uh you can say well i think that passes but maybe it's not like obvious that it's going to pass Maybe have a couple different people go through your car uh, and and tech it yourself, to make sure it's going to pass. You know, if you if you do that, your your chances of getting through tech on the first try are much much higher uh, than it, they otherwise might be. So that's I want to start by just saying that, right? So have every have a couple different people tech your car independently and make sure everybody says it's going to pass, um, and, and your chances of doing well at tech will be greatly improved. Uh, That said, uh, so in Tech Bulletin 2, so due to the weather that changed things up uh, a bit at Tennessee and truncated our event a little bit, we didn't have time to collate all of the uh, missed tech items at Tennessee this year. Um, So in Tech Bulletin 2, you will see uh, the tech inspection data from the 2018 event in Maryland, Uh, of what the most commonly missed things were. But there's a lot of uh, repeat offenders on this list, specifically uh, throttle uh, controls. So the throttle lever on the engine, when you push full throttle at the pedal, um, the pedal itself should be making contact with your uh, full throttle stop at the pedal. Uh, that's That's a rule that you have to have a mechanical stop at the pedal. Uh simultaneously with hitting the full throttle stop at the pedal, you should also be hitting the full throttle stop at the engine. So if you go to the tech bulletin, um, page nine of tech bulletin two has an indication of what we're talking about. There's a silver plate that the throttle arm on the engine moves between. Um, there's a slot in that plate. And when you go full throttle, it should be contacting the edge of that slot at the, at the front of the engine. And then uh, when you release the throttle, just as important, uh, maybe even more so, uh, when you release that throttle, that arm needs to come all the way back to idle, just all the way back to 0% throttle uh, at idle. Um, So if you're not making fully 0% idle and fully 100% full throttle, uh, you're not going to get through tech. That is maybe the biggest thing we check uh in tech especially for for final tech uh, we're pretty we're pretty big sticklers on that uh item in particular so you know, that's you know we basically want to make sure that um, your car is able to achieve both of those things your throttle has the full range of motion uh because it it has to come all the way back for idle, to idle for safety and if it can achieve the full range we know that you're not just going to adjust it to idle and not make full throttle. And then once you leave tech, you're going to adjust it to get full throttle, but not come all the way back to idle so that when you get stuck, your engine's sitting there churning away at 25% uh, and is a safety hazard. So that's, that's a big one. Some other things we noticed in tech. Um, let's see kill switches this year. Uh, we introduced a rule to make sure that the cockpit kill switch is located On the sim, on the driver's left-hand side. Um, So previously, the rule was that that kill switch could be anywhere in the vehicle, within reach of the driver. What we decided was that we wanted that cockpit kill switch to be in a standardized or somewhat standardized location. This uh, kind of was the result of noticing that if a car flips on its back, um, and is then on fire. You can't necessarily get to the kill switch that is on the right hand side of the firewall aft of the firewall because it's now uh, up against the ground and the engine's on fire. So what we wanted was a standardized location for that second kill switch so that uh, the crew approaching the car to extinguish that fire and help the driver uh, knows where the kill switch is going to be so they can rapidly approach the car and shut the engine down because that kill switch is in another standardized location. With that, however, uh, we did notice that sometimes teams were locating that kill switch in a location that a fully belted-in driver with arm restraints uh, is not actually able to easily actuate that kill switch. So it does need to be on the driver's left-hand side. It does need to be uh, on the sim, but it also needs to be within easy reach of the driver uh, so that they are able to kill the engine while fully belted in with arm restraints. So make sure you're checking that when you are locating that kill switch. I think people are generally noticing the, have caught up on the bends in the roll cage. So, but just in case, make sure that if you've got a a bend in a a roll cage member, there are rules regarding how much it can be bent. And if it's bent more than that, uh, it needs to be supported back to a named point. So make sure you're familiar with the roll cage rules and where extra bracing has to be added um, for the splash shields uh, back around the engine for the gas tanks um, getting rid of the drip pans last year helped a lot uh, in tech inspection uh, that was a big miss area so that that helped a lot but we're still we still get misses on the splash shields so things to note on splash shield uh, the splash shield must be metallic uh, you can't have uh composite splash shields anymore. Uh, they have to be metallic. They can be pretty thin though, so check the rules on that. They have to be mounted below the uh secondary member that is holding the fuel tank. Um, and uh they need to direct any fuel that is spilled basically in the course of a normal refueling operation. So uh we check it by basically pretending we're gonna refuel your car with a bottle of water gas cap on but missing the whole way so we're just going to approach the back of the vehicle with a bottle of water pouring water out and we're going to go all the way over your fuel tank uh, and past it up to the firewall and we want to make sure that no water drips down onto the engine so it's a pretty easy check to do yourself to make sure that it's going to pass and basically after we dump all that water on it we're going to look underneath and make sure there's no water on your engine it's a pretty simple check Uh, So do it yourself, make sure it passes. Uh, Common places that teams fail this, uh, the splash shields are not fully sealed up against the firewall so that when we go past the fuel tank up to the firewall, a whole bunch of water can fall down between the firewall and the engine and it splashes back onto the engine off the firewall. So make sure it's sealed uh, as required uh, so that it passes that check. Uh, Another common miss on splash shields is... If the fuel hose passes through the splash shield itself, um, you've introduced a leak point in your splash shield, so that needs to be sealed up. Um, You can try to do it with a grommet. Um, A lot of teams try to do it with just a whole bunch of RTV gooped up on the splash shield. Um, I don't really recommend either of those methods. Uh, The best uh, method for going straight through the splash shield, if you're not going to go around it, is a uh, barbed metallic, uh, hose union. So just a little metallic fitting. You screw you screw it in through a hole and it has two barbed fittings on either side for the fuel hose to just clamp down onto on either side. And you get a nice, uh, leak proof seal there. This is probably the second biggest miss on splash shields. And then a third area that people miss on splash shields is, uh, splash shields that extend beyond the envelope of the roll cage. so. The splash shield is considered part of the fuel system, just like the engine, just like the fuel tank, uh, just like the exhaust. So if you can basically take a straight edge and at any two points on the exterior of your frame, run that straight edge along the frame members, uh, you shouldn't be able to hit anything in the fuel system. And so that it that includes the splash shield. It also includes the intake. The intake is a common miss, uh, the air filter. Uh is a common miss point for that check so make sure your splash shield is not sticking out past the the envelope of the roll cage um, i think that pretty much covers splash shields uh let's see some other common misses uh body panels we're looking for less than a quarter inch gap uh, which is basically the pen that we're using to check to your cars if we can stick our, our pens through holes in your body panels between the LFS, the lower frame side members, so basically the bottom members, and the SIM, the side impact member. All of that has to be protected by body panels, and there can be no gap bigger than a quarter inch. Uh, Any gap bigger than a quarter inch has to be protected with body panel material. So make sure, uh, in particular, the areas around your steering rack, uh, where the steering rack passes through the body panels. If your suspension members are mounted such that uh their mount points are sticking through the body panel. Um all of those can generate some pretty big gaps in body panels. So, if you're doing that, make sure you're you're patching those gaps with body panel material so that they're all nice and sealed up. So we don't want uh sticks and rocks coming up through the bodywork and hitting the driver. Uh tape is not sufficient for any gap bigger than a quarter inch. Um Similarly, body panels that are attached with uh, crappy fasteners. Uh, So things like zip ties and Velcro are specifically prohibited in the rules. Uh, However, we've seen some teams starting to go towards uh, really cheap plastic rivets. We had one team in uh, Tennessee this year who was using these really cheap plastic rivets to hold their body panels on, and when they went to do their driver evac test, the driver basically kicked straight through the body panel and busted like five or six of them in one shot. Um, So those aren't going to be strong enough. Uh, We made them change them to, to metallic rivets. Um, I would expect a rule change in the future on that, but uh, so make sure your, your body panels uh, themselves are tough enough. Uh, If they're made of a, a weak material that we can poke a pen through fairly easily uh, that means a stick can go through it fairly easily. So the m- body panel m- material itself has to be fairly strong and to go along with the body panel material itself, the attachment mechanism has to be, uh, strong enough to hold those body panels on against, uh, impact, uh, that they might see. So those are two things to pay attention to there. Uh, brake line routing, uh, has gotten better, but we do still see a couple, uh, bad cars every once uh, every year. Um, so on your front brake lines, basically make sure that you're routing those brake lines, uh, behind your front A-arm whenever possible. Um, and that they're not being pinched, uh, or kinked when you turn the wheel left or right to the full extent. Um, sometimes they'll, they'll be routed such that when you, you turn the wheel all the way one direction, the, the brake line on that side will get, uh, crimped down and, and pinched so that, uh. Basically, it'll make your break-in effective. So make sure that's not happening. We'll be checking that in final tech. Those are some of the uh, the big uh, the big misses uh, in tech itself. All of those can be mitigated by you know just really being diligent diligent about teching your car yourself ahead of time. Uh, you know don't just don't just sign off that tech sheet uh, uh, without really reading it. Make sure you're actually reading through every line. Um, and teching the car accurately to that line. Uh and and try to be as objective as possible. Obviously it's your car, it's, competition's coming up. You just threw the car back together. I've been there, trust me, I know I've built a car in the parking lot of competition uh at the hotel uh at four in the morning. So I've been in that scenario. I know what it can be like, but uh wherever if as much as possible, try to run through that tech sheet uh, before you come to tech yourself and you'll You'll be better off for it,
2: Joe. If I'm not mistaken, there is a there is a a column for the team to go through it themselves. Correct?
1: Correct. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying when I say go through yeah. the the tech sheet yourself. Don't just uh, pencil whip that column. Make sure you're actually going through and reading that column. Uh, and when you initial it, uh, you know, make sure you're you've you're initialing it because it's correct, not just because you need the tech sheet initialed when you come to us because you know, when we when we fail you for it, it's fairly reasonable to say you signed this off. Why'd you sign it off? Because it's clearly wrong, right? So make sure make sure you've read through it.
2: And just uh, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, uh, all you all, all SAE students, I believe, get the SAE Student Magazine Momentum uh, last year, and in the latest issue, there is a very nice one page tech inspection article written by the national tech inspectors and basically they are true and false comments in regards to tech inspection it's a great article uh to to go over so that you're aware of what these guys are doing and how long they've been doing it uh and what they not necessarily look for but some of the falsehoods that uh that perceive during these events. Um, The other article that was written um, a while back, uh, it was basically what Joe is just describing. You want to plan and be prepared ahead of coming into the competition. The more you do at your facility, uh, the less you do on site, and the better you are to answer questions um, when the tech inspectors ask you why you did this, or, hey, this isn't, or what was your, what was your intent uh, on this? And, and certainly um, those things will go a long way to help you walk out of that tech inspection area with a happy face.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, a couple of final things I wanted to, to hit on. Um, the, the other big change we made this year was uh, vehicle numbers. Um, and so we got – Tennessee was our first uh, – basically our first data set of the new rules with the new vehicle numbers. Um, and we got a lot of good data out of that. And Tech Bulletin 2 is full of uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, Tennessee Tech Numbers. Uh, so be sure to take a look at that to see examples of what, uh, what to do and what not to do. Uh, basically, for 2019, uh, we really tightened down on what you're allowed to do for vehicle numbering. Because in years past, it's, it's been so uh, open that it generates numbers that are basically illegible uh, at any distance uh, when the vehicles are going by. And that makes life hard for black flag. It makes life hard for manual lap counters. uh, It makes hard life hard for towing. So what we did was we standardized the the vehicle numbering. Um, All vehicle numbers must be a minimum of six inches tall. You can only use one of two fonts, either Uh, Century Gothic Bold, which is a a built-in font to Microsoft Office products, Um, or uh, you can use Highway Gothic, uh, not bold, just Highway Gothic Regular, uh, which is a a font you can download for free. It's the font that's used on all highway signs in the United States. It's a very legible font, which is why we wanted to use it. Um, So you have to use one of those two fonts. Uh, Hand-cut numbers of your own design are not going to be accepted, Numbers that are laser cut or something or 3D printed in a font other than those two are not going to be accepted, even if they're uh, very, very clear and legible. The numbers themselves have to be a single color. You can't have uh, some kind of design going on on, your, on the number themselves. And the background has to be a single color. So, you know, don't put your numbers on a camouflaged background because we're not going to be able to read them um, and make sure that the background color highly contrasts with uh, the numbers themselves, right? So if you put blue numbers on a uh, on a black background, they're very hard to read. Also, the background has to extend at least an inch around the numbers in all directions. The numbers themselves have to be have to have an inch of spacing between them. so the kerning between the numbers has to be at least an inch, and the numbers have to be basically horizontal uh, with respect to, uh, gravity. So you can't put your numbers at some crazy angle to follow your body panel. Uh, they have to be aligned. So the rules are pretty clear about it. Just make sure that you're adhering to them and you'll be okay. Uh, there's lots of examples, like I said, in the tech bulletin of what's not okay. Uh, so take a look at that. Additionally, um, I did go ahead and make uh 3D models of as of this recording the century gothic numbers. So if you want to just download a pre-made STL file, if you've got a 3D printer or something, you can do that. Um, you can go on they're on Tinkercad. If you go on TinkerCad and search for B S A E, uh, you can find a number that is in the correct font already and it's six inches tall and it has two mounting holes in it. With Tinkercad you can you can move the mounting holes around if you want to. You can make a new copy of the number and move the mounting holes around. But uh those are available uh for free download if you want to just grab one of those and 3D print it uh on a 3D printer at your school.
2: Oh, great uh, job, Joe. That's that's a good information there.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna try to get the the highway gothic ones done, but for for now the uh the century gothic bold ones are are complete and they're available. And then the only other thing is to again emphasize that the tech inspectors are not out to get you. Uh I promise we're not. Um, we are trying to make sure as many cars as possible are entering that endurance event on Sunday. Um, we'd like to see a full field and we'd like to see every car that showed up be in that endurance event. So, uh, and as many cars as possible to run the dynamic events on Saturday, because frankly, if every single car passed tech on Friday, which is totally possible, it means that the tech inspectors get to just kick it, relax and watch the dynamic events uh on saturday uh, which is certainly what we'd rather be doing than teching cars uh all day saturday so uh it's in our interest and your interest to make sure your car is is ready to go uh to pass tech the first time we're not we're not looking to fail you i promise
0: sounds good and there's uh with all that information out there not a lot of reasons not to pass tech at this point
1: no and uh one more thing i i should say uh If you have any questions about uh, your vehicle and what's legal, what's not, uh, you know, if you've got something on your car that you're you're looking at when you're going through those tech sheets ahead of time, you're like, you know, I'm not sure this is going to pass tech uh, as it is right now. Um, You know, if you don't, if you're not quite willing to just quick, go ahead and change it, uh, feel free to submit a rules question on BajaSAE.net. That will come to us. The tech inspectors we will look at it. Um, some of those questions have generated some really good discussions on our side. You guys don't get to see all the comments, but uh, some of them have had pages of uh, comments uh, hashing out what the right answer is between the, the tech inspectors because uh, there's been some unique problems uh, pop up. So uh, we spend uh, on some of these questions, we spend a lot of time thinking about them to make sure we're giving you the right answer, the fair answer, um, and then uh, making sure that come the event that we are enforcing our answers uh, fairly and uh well yeah fairly across all the vehicles so take advantage of that resource to to get your questions answered before the event so that when you come to the event you just pass tech on the first try
2: and that's a great point joe um uh... On site, you'll hear me, uh, and if you've been to a competition, uh, if not, you're going to hear it when we're in California. Uh, these volunteers, and, and I'm going to stress the word volunteers, spend hours and hours and days, uh, going through, uh, not only the, the rules that you send in, but all the planning that takes place so that they can come on site and be ready to, to inspect your car. Uh, I know that, uh, from, since I get all the emails back and forth, these guys are working late into the night, uh, early in the morning before their job, uh, on weekends, making sure that they answer all your questions. And, and it's certainly something to take advantage of. And Joe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, As a helpful hint, do you not ask the teams to print out the response just in case there's any discrepancies on site?
1: Yeah, it's always a good idea to bring a printed copy of the response to your rules question uh, on BahaSAE.net. Just in case there's a discrepancy, you know, the person who answered the rules question online might not be your tech inspector in tech. So, uh, however, the person whose name... The person who answered the question online, their name will be on that response. And I've had it happen to me where I was looking at a car and I was like, I don't know if that's okay or not. Let me think about that. And then the team actually produced a piece of paper with my name on it where I said it was okay. So I said, well, I guess it's okay. <laughs> so yeah, definitely uh, it's a good idea to bring that, bring that uh, printed out answer along with you to tech inspection, along with all the other required documents.
0: Well, uh, we got all the details. We're heading into Baja, California, and, of course, uh, Baja, Rochester, and I, I'm sure we'll learn a few more things uh, in, in California as people start to apply these.
1: Yeah, and I'll bump on one more time the, uh, on, on this episode of the podcast. Uh, for California, the spark arrestor is required, so you can refer to Tech Bulletin 2. It has the details on that, but basically the one that came with your engine Uh, is acceptable for that but you will not pass uh, briggs or tech without a spark arrestor installed for baja sae california Uh, the same does not apply for rochester just california
0: special circumstance out there i think it's not quite as dry as it used to be but still a concern up there in that area
1: yeah it actually rained today that was weird
0: wow (laughs) well uh joe thanks again for uh joining us here and making the connection so we can learn a little bit more so, everybody is, uh, so that everybody is better informed for uh, the upcoming events.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to it.
0: All right. And Sam, thanks for connecting, too.
2: No problem, guys. Be safe on your travels, and we'll see you out there in Gorman.
0: Thanks for listening to Baja SAE Shot Talk. As always, we want to hear from you, so email sae at SAE.org the show notes for this episode as well as all others can be found at www.bajasae.net slash podcast stay safe and we'll catch you next episode